Oh, Daddy God, how grateful we are that you are with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, whether we're distracted or not, whether we're focused or not, Lord, the, the scripture tells us that you always have your eye on us. So Lord, we're just so grateful to be part of your family, to be your children. And, and Lord, I just ask today that it wouldn't be my words coming out, but that you would take over, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak your words. And Lord, anoint every ear to hear what it is the Spirit is saying this morning. We give you praise and honour and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Okay, we're going to talk about building with the master's plan um, this morning. So there we go. PowerPoint's up. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 127, verse 1. Now, how many of you have ever actually built anything, as in flat pack, anything? Yes. How did it go? <laughs> Sometimes building can be frustrating, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Um, I've got a... I just randomly picked a, a master plan off of um, Google, so I don't even know where this is for. But what I like is the fact that there's an ultimate outcome already planned. And bit by bit, all these things will happen if they stick to the master's plan, the master plan, right? And it's the same with our lives. We can have, um, you know, we might be over at the basketball court and we can't really envision what's going to happen in the visual arts and drama area because that's so far beyond where we are. And what I want to talk about today is understanding and being willing to submit to the master's plan because he sees the entire picture. He knows the final outcome, what it needs to be. And often we only see the little spot we're in. And so if we try and build according to our understanding of the plan, we're going to be far short of the ultimate outcome that the master actually has planned. Let's look now at Psalm 127. Who's got it already? All right. And we're going to look at verse 1. And it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. All right, interesting verse, isn't it? Let me ask you something. Have you ever worked really hard on something only to have it not turn out? Yes. <laughs> not our greatest memory, is it? <laughs> or how about some of you who uh, like to use the computer? Have you ever spent a long time working on something, forgot to save it, and lost the lot? Oh, yep. I can still feel the stress rising just talking about. What about maybe you've pursued a relationship and you really wanted it to work out and you thought that person loved you as much as you love them. I need to find out they really weren't interested in you all along. That hurts, doesn't it? I had that. Five years I thought this person was my number one right Mr. 
Mr. Wright. And he finally invited me out to dinner and I knew everything was going to be great. And over dinner he told me about this girl that he liked. And how much he appreciated my friendship. Man! I suddenly had very ill feelings towards this girl. (laughs) And um, we finished dinner and I sat in my car and literally the windows fogged up because I cried so much. I wasted five years of my life. You know, I did ask the Lord about him again and again. Is he the one? But I actually didn't want to hear any answer except yes. So I wasn't really listening. And I had to learn the hard way. (laughs) And... um, So that's a bit of an ouch. What about, have you ever gone for a certain job and you've been turned down again and again? It's like, oh, when can I catch a break? Well, I think there's an important lesson God wants us to learn. And that is, is it God's plan or your plan? Sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes if you really want something, it's hard to decide if that desire is coming from God or not. Is this God's plan or your plan? Are you building with the master's plan? We're going to have a look at the attitude of an apprentice. All right, who's ever done an apprenticeship in the room? Anyone? Cool. Um, What is it like to be an apprentice? Ross, what was it like? You've got to be obedient to the rules. Were you a good apprentice? You didn't bat chat? Oh, you. <laughs> Javita, were you a good apprentice? <laughs> Is it easy to be an apprentice? Okay. It's not easy. Why? Why wouldn't it be easy to be an apprentice just to be told how to do something all the time? because it's just like kids right you tell them the best way to do something and they know a better way they absolutely 100% know a better way and they cannot understand why you would possibly want them to do it the way you're saying but there is a master plan there is someone who's been there and done it all before who's burnt dishes before or put the oven on the wrong temperature or whatever kind of apprenticeship. What sort of apprenticeship did you do, Ross? Mechanical. I can imagine that if you didn't learn that correctly, you could have an interesting shaped motor or something, right? (laughs) That sounds very interesting. So um, there is a reason why the apprentice needs to learn from the master, right? Even if they think at the time, oh, it doesn't make sense. So I don't want to do it that way. Why are they always going on about that? But let me tell you the attitude of the apprentice as relates to us in our Christian walk. What if we were to say this? Lord, I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to be instructed by you. I'm here to follow your way of doing things. I'm here to follow your lead. You are the master and I am the apprentice. (laughs) I will listen to you as you know best. 
You know, even saying those words hurts my flesh. I can feel something dying. Oh, a very loud and painful death. Because we want to say, Lord, here am I. I've got great ideas. Where shall we start? I was thinking today we should do this and we should do that. But the Bible says, unless God builds a house, you're actually building in vain. Now, wouldn't that just be so sad to have built this great big thing for it to end up as nothing? I don't want to waste my time. And the way I cannot waste my time is to have the right attitude from the start, the attitude of an apprentice. Okay. We are called to follow God's will. And we all are born with our own will. So it's the battle of the wills. Have you ever met a strong-willed person? Maybe you are a strong-willed person. <laughs> Depends what area it's in. <laughs> I can be very strong-willed. And wow, have you ever seen two strong-willed people at each other? It's like two rams locking horns, isn't it? <laughs> And yet, we are called to follow God's will. Look at this. We all know this verse, I'm sure. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. That is so hard. Because we do have an understanding. But it's not necessarily going to be the right one. And that's why we can't lean on it. Just like that master plan I showed you earlier, someone in the basketball court can't even see inside the visual arts building at the other end to know what's going on. They have a limited understanding from their perspective. So God is saying, don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, trust the Lord knows best. Trust that he actually has half a clue what he's up to. <laughs> In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Or this version says, submit to him. That's so good. In all of your ways, submit to him. Yes, Lord. <laughs> okay. Not my way, your way. And what is a beautiful promise? He will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight is another way that that is translated. Now, what does that mean? We talked about this at Kids Club on Friday. Um, what is the opposite of straight? So, some answers. Crooked? Twisted? How about wicked? Do you know wicked means twisted? Crooked? Bent? So, if we're not following the straight path, we're on a wicked path. Isn't that interesting? It's just a little difference, a little twist, a little turn, but it's taking us further and further away from where God wants us. And our twisted path ends up leading us down a wicked path, mm, an evil path. You know, the Apostle Paul lived a life on his knees before God in prayer and submission. One of the lines out of one of his epistles was, 
I bow my knee before the Lord and Father of our, uh, before the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I bow my knee. He was a well-respected rabbi, a well-respected teacher, a well-respected man, but he thought nothing of bowing his knee before an almighty God. He lived his life on his knees, a man of prayer. He prayed earnestly for the early church. And even his prayers are recorded, so they're still being prayed today. So awesome. Jesus Christ always lived a life of total submission to the Father's will. Now, if anyone could have come with their own plan, surely it could have been Jesus. He's the man, right? He's the man. Like, can you imagine Jesus walking along looking at the grass going, I remember the day I made that. Mm, That was awesome. That was great. Oh, look at that tree. I remember its very first ancestor. (laughs) Looked a bit better back then. (laughs) Here is the creator in the middle of his creation, but he comes and he lives his life here on earth completely submitted to the Father's will. That, to me, is astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. How? How does he do that? I'm going to look at some of the verses. John 6, 38, Jesus speaking, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Isn't that remarkable? How did you do that, Jesus? Then look at this one in John 8, 28 to 30. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father taught me, I speak these things. Okay, just pause and think about that for a minute. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And he's saying, my father taught me. He's all-knowing. He is God in the flesh. And yet he lived here on earth in an apprentice mode. My father taught me. Wow. That level of humility astounds me. Absolutely astounds me. And then verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Absolutely amazing. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. There's another passage where Jesus said that he doesn't do anything unless he sees the Father doing it first. So uh, can you picture him walking down the road and, and he sees a leper and he knows he's got the power to cleanse the leper, but he's waiting. Is that the plan for today? That'd be so hard, wouldn't it? Because you see, God has the master plan. Waiting, always. I mean, he could have went into any town and declared himself king performed innumerable miracles just to prove that he was God. 
But he only did what he saw the father doing. He only said what he heard the father saying. He lived a life completely submitted to the father and he fulfilled the master's plan. We're going to look at two different guys out of scripture today. One is Noah and one is Nimrod. Both of them built something. One of them followed God's instructions and the other followed their own plan. We're going to see where this ended up leading them. So we're going to have a look at Noah. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 6, uh, 13 to 17. You're welcome to turn there. I'm also going to pop it on the screen. There we go. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark sorry, um, shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Now, how specific was that? Very specific. So now Noah has a choice. And it says, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Now look at this next verse. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Now Noah didn't say, actually, I've got a better idea. Why don't you just let it rain everywhere else except that mountain and just keep that one dry? You know, all the animals, we can just go up there. Brilliant idea. A lot less work than an ark, right? Um, Noah could have said, ah. Three decks? Do you know how long that's going to take me? And you wanted how big? Are you kidding? Uh, and um, where's the workforce for this task? Me and my three sons. I don't like this job. Uh, Noah could have went, you know what? That's a really boring design. Why don't we add some flair? How about we put the Noah wing over here and the Mrs. wing over there? Because, you know, that long in a confined space. Um, He could have had lots and lots of wonderful ideas. But he did according to all that God commanded him. And thankfully he did. Because the entire human race and their survival was dependent on his ability to be obedient. What a responsibility What Noah did required much time. The scripture seems to indicate it took Noah and his sons 120 years to build a boat that size. Let me go back to that picture. Uh, Oh, sorry. That's incredible. He stuck to the master's plan. Much time, perseverance, personal sacrifice, 
There were, what if Noah had had an ambition in life? I actually want to do this. But now I'm being asked to do that. Hmm? No Google. He had to rely on God's instructions. <laughs> I hope he wrote them down. <laughs> but what a reward came out of his obedience, the salvation of his family and the future population of the earth was saved because of Noah's obedience. Absolutely amazing. Now, after this, while Shem is still alive, his son, and, and Ham and, and Japheth, while all his sons are still alive, there comes another point of building on the earth. God gave instructions to Noah and his three sons and their wives when they came off the ark. Spread out, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. But I'll just skip forward. <clears throat> Let's introduce Nimrod. Completely opposite to Noah. Nimrod had an idea and his plan was all that mattered. The Bible tells us of many cities that Nimrod built, including one known as Babel. Nimrod built a lot of cities and then we come to this point and we're going to have a look. Oh, I actually didn't put these scriptures up, sorry, because it was... Um, Lots of reading. So you can turn there. Genesis 11, 1 to 9. And it says this. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Hang on a minute. That was the instruction from God to scatter across the face of the whole earth. But Nimrod's idea is let us build ourselves a city, a tower, make a name for ourselves and stay put. I'm going to build my own kingdom. I'm going to build my own dynasty. I am going to be king of the world. Now, some scholars believe this plain in the land of Shinar was once where the original Garden of Eden sat. Which makes this very interesting because they wanted to build a tower whose top reached to heaven. They wanted to enter that other dimension that once existed in the Garden of Eden. What was in the Garden of Eden? Free communication with God. But they're trying to reach God in their own efforts. In fact, they're trying to be God. They're setting themselves up with their own plans and purpose. Let us make a name for ourselves. 
That might sound foreign to us, but I want to challenge us today. Is it really that foreign? You know, the land of Facebook. What does everyone want to do? They want to make a name for themselves. I got 500 likes on my post. <laughs> my YouTube clip went viral of the cat bunching up the other cat. Woo! I'm famous. You know, we all want to make a name for ourselves. I, um, I know this is a very bizarre thing to think of, but I used to love studying and reading about the heroes of the faith. And I used to think about what would be on their tombstone. I mean, what would you put on Elijah's tombstone? Not Elijah, Elisha. Wow, you know. Man of God, raised the dead, did all these miracles. There's not a lot of room on a tombstone. And I used to think about, well, when I die, what are they going to put on my tombstone? Are they going to say, oh, she was an amazing woman of God. And then one day, the Holy Spirit kind of got through to me and said, if they really remember you, then they haven't remembered me. Ouch. I would rather that they went, can't remember her name, but man, she loved Jesus because I met him through her life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were so full of Jesus that people met us and they remembered Jesus in us and they go, oh, yeah, that, um, that man, that, that lady, oh, they introduced me to Jesus. That would be so much better. These people wanted to build a name for themselves. It was all about them, their accomplishments, their works. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I like this verse. <clears throat> I kind of envision the site inspector walking on the site, <laughs> the building inspector. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. Hmm. Ooh, big tower. <laughs> Impressive, hey? Wow. Oh, and look at this city. Oh, you've built a name for yourselves. That's amazing. I didn't ask for this city to be built. And I don't remember giving approval for the tower. It says in verse 6, And the Lord said... Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad. From there, over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The master's plan still happened. In spite of man's best efforts to rebel, the Lord scattered them. Can you picture that day? Hey, pass me the hammer. What's the matter with 
you. Pass me the hammer. What? Stop being stupid. Then someone over here starts in some... And then, what, what? Oh, that person over there can still talk my language. I'm going to go and hang out with them. Right? Just love God's plan. It didn't take a lot. He didn't even have to knock... You know, that must have taken a lot of restraint. Because I've seen kids... They build big towers and they're so proud. And what does the other kid want to do? <laughs> Don't you knock down Johnny's tower. And the moment you look at it, just push it over, right? I mean, God must have had a lot of restraint. He looked at that big tower, but he left it. He just changed the languages and still had the ultimate goal he was looking for. All right, when the Lord comes down to inspect our lives and what we have built, what will he find? Will he see our own names enlarged above our dwellings? Are we building a name for ourselves or living our lives that Jesus may be glorified and his name exalted? It's a good question to ask. All right, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And look at 8 to 15. Paul the Apostle is talking or writing and he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Now I have put a few flat packs together. I've never had a piece of the flat back flat pack say to me, I don't want to go there. It doesn't answer back, even if I don't quite have it right, (laughs) I'm screwing the wrong bit. It doesn't answer back. Well, we are God's building. We're like the pieces of the building. And yet, we're a building that talks. Hey, you got that wrong. I'm I'm not supposed to be here, I can tell you now. Nah, this is not my goal. Yeah. That, that piece is shinier than me. I want to be over there. <laughs> oh, he has so much grace with us. We are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? What are we building on? Are we beginning to build our lives based on our own wants and needs and desires? Or are we building on what is the eternal foundation of Jesus Christ? Then it goes on to say, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What an interesting passage, hey? 
We have a choice to build with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw. And we're building on the foundation. What do you think the wood, hay and straw would represent in our lives? Our own ideas. Okay, why? Why would we know that? Because they're not durable. They're not eternal. Okay, um, yes, you can get petrified wood, but generally, if something was built of wood many years ago, it wouldn't still be standing today. You know, like when I went around ancient Israel sites, it was all the stone structures that still remained. It wasn't the wood, definitely not the hay. <laughs> Gone. It doesn't endure. It doesn't last. It's not eternal. So I guess that's a good way of determining what am I building in my life? From what perspective am I building it? Am I building this from an eternal perspective or am I building this from a temporal perspective? Is it only going to help me in the here and now or will it last forever? That's what gold, silver and precious stones are. Even if they go through the fire, they remain, don't they? Even more beautiful than ever before. We need to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ things that will reflect the foundation. Pure gold is translucent. It's reflective. Jewels, how many women, you know, have their jewellery cleaned and the sparkle, the shine. That's what happens when we build on the foundation of Jesus. Everything in our life should reflect him, should emanate his love and who he is. We're going to have a look at this much-loved passage in Psalm 37. We're going to read from 3 to 7. There's three main things I want to bring out as we bring this to a close today. Firstly, trust in the Lord. Now, the way that's worded, it almost sounds like a command, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord. Now, what if we had someone new walk in here this morning and I'd never met them before and someone said to me, trust in that person, they're a good person. How would my ability to trust them go? What do you reckon? Not great. Why? I don't know them. So if we're being told to trust in the Lord, maybe the first place we have to start is knowing the Lord. Because you can obey that command if you know him, if you know he's trustworthy. But I'm not going to put my trust in someone that I've just met and I don't know them. I don't know their track record. If they say something, will they do it? Are they honest? Are they dishonest? Are they reliable, unreliable? If we're going to put our trust in the Lord, we have to know the Lord. Is he reliable? Is he faithful? Does he do what he says he'll do? Can we trust him that he has a higher perspective than we do? Can we trust his perspective? I know sometimes I have struggled because I can't see the bigger picture. He can, but I can't see it yet. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Wow, that's a different version. Practice faithfulness 
I like feed better. Feed on his faithfulness. Get to know him. He's so faithful. Noah found out that he could trust him. Because Noah trusted him, his family was saved. And we can trust him. He is faithful. Delight to yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. This is our master builder. He's not unkind. He's not harsh. He's not holding out on us. He literally has the best plan and purpose if we trust him. Look at this now. Commit. Commit your way to the Lord. That is so vital. Commit your way to the Lord. Okay, here's where I'm at. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm thinking. But you know what? I'm just going to commit it all to you because you're the master builder. I'm going to commit my way to you. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. That's so much better. You know what? I have noticed a pattern in my life. It took me quite a while to realize this pattern because not always as fast as others. But the pattern was when something is really, really, really hard and I'm striving, I'm working so hard at it, it's either not God or it's not God's timing. Because when God's in it, it doesn't mean you won't get opposition, but he makes a way and things happen. Now, has anyone else experienced that pattern in this room? <laughs> Maybe those watching online, yeah? When you're trying, trying, trying so hard and, you, and it's not working, and then there's other times when boom, 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 everything falls into place. That's how I see this. Commit your way to the Lord. It may not even mean what you're doing is wrong. It just may not be the right time yet. Like my kids, it's not wrong for them to drive when they turn 16 and get their learners. But it is wrong for them to drive now. Hallelujah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> their father can teach them, I'm telling you. No. <laughs> Commit your way to the Lord. Even if you don't understand, I thought you were in this, God, but nothing's working. Okay, I'm just going to commit it to you. When you're ready, then I'm ready. Trust also to him and he shall bring it to pass. And he definitely did that for me with my husband. When I finally let go of the one that wasn't for me and I just put my trust in the Lord, I kid you not, I was in prayer one day and I said, Lord, I would really like to get married. I've just settled it in my heart. I'd like to get married and I'd love to meet my husband today. And I did. <laughs> that was amazing. I didn't know at the time he was going to be my husband. But uh, we're in a really big, big church and um, he was at the front and I happened to be sitting in the second front row and he'd come down after church and said hello and said, oh, how about I introduce you to some people your age and took me around for the rest of the, you know, fellowship time and introduced me to everybody and, well, little did I know he was going to be the one. That's pretty amazing. You see, he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And verse 7, we're going to end here. 
rest in the Lord. That is so important. When we think of building, we don't usually think of rest. (laughs) This is what the kingdom of God does. You know, it messes with your head. Build, rest. You mean after I've built? No. (laughs) Actually, remember our opening verse, unless who builds the house? Unless the Lord builds the house. Ah, okay. I'm not actually a builder. (laughs) I'm definitely not the master builder. But I get to watch and rest in the work he's building in me. He wants to build in our lives himself. Build himself in us. Rest in the Lord, verse 7 says, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. I'm so glad he put this verse in the Bible, because honestly, the depth of wickedness in the world today distresses me so much, and we feel like they're getting away with it. But when you keep reading Psalm 37, I haven't put the verses up, it tells us that the wicked's day is coming. There is a righteous judge who will one day put everything right. And our job is to rest in him, trust in him, commit our way to him, wait patiently for him, and he will bring it to pass. And as we do that, That is building with gold and silver and precious gems, an eternal um, building, something building for eternity that cannot be taken away. It will endure forever. Would you stand to your feet with me today as we bring this service to a close? We always like to give an opportunity for those who... Uh, here and those who are watching online, if you don't know Jesus, then there's no coincidence that you're here and there's no coincidence that you're watching us online because Jesus knows you and he wants to save you. Just like he instructed Noah to build the ark, he's reaching out to you, come into my safety. I will save you from judgment. I will save you. And bring you into a relationship with God where you can know him. So while every head is bowed in this place and eyes are closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to take on your plans. I want to acknowledge you as the master builder and stop trying to do everything in my own strength. If that's you today, I want you just to raise your hand. And if you're watching me, feel free to raise your hand just as a form of acknowledgement and say, Anita, that's me. I need to receive Jesus. I've been trying to live life my own way and it's not working. I need to follow Jesus. We're just going to pray together. Repeat this prayer after me. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's the believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. These are just words that are a guide to help you acknowledge Jesus. So Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need of you. I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. Save me. 
I put my trust in you. From now on, I will follow you. You are my God. And I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me just pray for the rest of you here today. Heavenly Father, we just want to come as your kids. And we want to just say, Lord, we've been building and trying so hard in our own strength in our lives. Lord, would you just open our eyes to that by the power of your Holy Spirit? And Lord, help us let go of our plans and all the things that we think need to happen and how we think they need to happen. And and Lord, bring us to that place where we can just trust you, where we can commit everything to you and rest in you, Lord. I pray rest upon your people that we would not be striving, Father, but we could enter into your rest and know that you do have the master plan. You have the entire purpose. You see the full picture. And we can rest assured that you've got it, that you're handling it. And Lord, help us to leave it with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we have coffee on.